Welcome to the Language Games Podcast. My name is John Kaus. Today is part 15 of our Van Til's Apologetic series. Last week, we analyzed what it means for Van Til's Apologetic to be a truth-directed transcendental argument. This week, we're going to dive into this concept of presupposition and show why this term functions as a meta-assumption outside of any argument we create. Okay, so what is a presupposition? Well, we looked at before that the Strassonian uh, view of it, and which is used by many Vantillians, is something like P presupposes Q means that Q follows from the truth of P or the falsehood of P. So if P is true or false, then Q is true. And of course we saw that that actually is just saying that Q is true. The proposition, if P or not P, then Q, is logically equivalent to the proposition Q. So P presupposes Q really just means Q. And of course, that's not what we're trying to say by that. So that shows that our this description of presupposition is uh, inaccurate. All right, well then we get into, well, does the unbeliever have presuppositions? Well, surely he does, right? He does have presuppositions. But his presuppositions do not follow from P or not P uh, since his presuppositions are false. Right? You can't have a falsehood come from a truth. P or not P is always true. The presuppositions of the unbeliever are false. And so you'd have a falsehood coming from a truth, which is also not acceptable. So this whole notion of a presupposition being just Q following from P or not P is wrong. It's inaccurate. So what are we going to do? How are we going to clarify this? Well, to do this, we're going to look at meta-assumptions. First, look at meta-assumptions. So if you have an argument, you're going to have some assumptions outside of that argument. And that would be a meta-assumption to that argument. Then you have some other argument, right? It could be the same meta-assumption for this argument, and it could be a different meta-assumption for the argument. Let's just assume that each uh, M so is a different meta-assumption. So the blue M is, a, is M1. Uh, the orange one is M2, and so on. So you have all these arguments, and you have these lowercase m meta-assumptions. Now, as we move on and we look at this, we, we look, and this, would be, this is true of any argument that, that, we, that we have that you want to create. And these are what I'll call particular meta-assumptions. They're just an assumption to a particular argument. So they're just a particular meta-assumption. Now, this is in contrast to what we might call a universal meta-assumption. This would be a, now we have an uppercase M to, to signify this. So if you take all of our arguments, our individual particular arguments, and you take the individual particular meta-assumptions, there are assumptions outside of those. They are assumptions to any argument whatsoever. And we would, I'm calling these universal meta-assumptions. And this captures what we mean by transcendental. Okay, transcendentals are assumptions that we need to bring to any argument whatsoever. They are preconditions of knowledge, preconditions of intelligibility. And there is a use then of presupposition that would match that, right? The presuppositions that are true, so let's say for the Christian worldview, so let's say the, uh, the truth of Christianity or the assumption that God exists 
or the assumption of God's governance of the world, these are all presuppositions that are transcendentals. We have to hold them, right? They necessarily follow from us having knowledge. All right, so those are presuppositions. But notice then already we're seeing that presupposition as a term is more general than transcendental. It's, it's much closer to meta-assumption, right, where we have universal in particular. So presuppositions can be universal presuppositions. They also can be particular presuppositions. Okay, so what is a presupposition? Well, to just do it very broadly, it would be a presupposition is just an assumption outside of an argument. Presupposition is just an assumption outside of an argument. Now, we have to be more specific on this because presuppositions aren't things that we like to give up. Okay, so there's, there's some psychology to presuppositions and how we're using the term in apologetics. But just in general, if you want to just get the genus you know, of this, just say it's an assumption outside of an argument. And then under that, we can have certain categories you know, of a presupposition. So what is a universal presupposition that is an assumption outside of any argument? Or we might call it a transcendental. So a universal presupposition is a transcendental. It's an assumption outside of any argument. Okay, so now in apologetics then, Van Til's presuppositions are universal, okay, uppercase P. They are presuppositions to any argument whatsoever. The non-Christian presuppositions are particular. They, they would be presuppositions for certain arguments that he would hold, and, and he doesn't want to give these up, right? The unbeliever loves these, these presuppositions, but they're not presuppositions to any argument, and so you see the complication then when we say believer and unbeliever have presuppositions. Okay, we have an equivocation happening in there because it makes it seem like presupposition is qualitatively, qualitatively the same for a believer and unbeliever. And that's just not, not the case. Notice also that the presuppositions of an unbeliever, uh, he holds these for some of his arguments, but he doesn't hold them for the good arguments, right? The sound arguments where his premises or his axioms, assumptions in the argument are true and he's being logical in his reasoning. The presuppositions for those arguments are, are not are non, are, uh, Christian presuppositions. The non-Christian presuppositions are not for arguments that actually work because the unbelieving worldview does not work at all. All right, now we can see this... Um, blending of, the, of these terms some in, in Bonson's writing. And we'll see this in uh, his Presuppositional Apologetics book. He writes, every system must have some unproven assumptions. Notice this, a starting point that antecedently established with which reasoning begins and according to which it proceeds to conclusions. See, that reads like axioms, assumptions in the argument, right? Because assumptions in the argument, we then reason logically to conclusions. Okay, but then we go to the next uh, part where he says, therefore, all argumentation over ultimate issues, see, now we're going more to the meta-assumptions, the presuppositions of truth and reality will come down to an appeal to authorities which, in the nature of the case, are ultimate authorities. Circularity at this level of argumentation is unavoidable. So it's just a little sloppy here. We're moving from axioms to meta-assumptions, and not clarifying that the ultimate authorities between believer and unbeliever are qualitatively different, which, of course, Bonson would agree with. Okay? We just need to tighten this up a little bit. You might say, well, why not use the term presupposition then 
only in the universal sense. Well, I think Strawson was trying to use the term presupposition in, in this sense or some sense close to that. The problem is in apologetics, we talk about the unbelievers' presuppositions in contrast to the believers. And so the distinction must be given here because our use is that. This is capturing what our use is. All right, returning then back to this. So we have these universal meta assumptions, these universal presuppositions, these transcendentals, and they're outside of any argument. Well, can we prove then these transcendentals? Can we prove these universal presuppositions? And the argument that we've gone through in this, ser in this series is an example of yes, we can do that. So we had this meta-assumption, this universal meta-assumption. We had premises. And then from there, we inferred our conclusion, which was M. So we're using M to prove M. This is what Van would call, Van Til would call spirally circular reasoning. Notice, we are not placing M in our premises or in our axioms, whether explicitly stated or hidden in our definitions. It is not there. Okay, because if that were the case, and we're going from N to M, M to M in the argument, then it's formally circular, which of course uh, Vantilians would not agree with, and it's, and it's illogical to, to reason this way. Vantil writes, our answer to this is briefly, is briefly that we prefer to reason in a circle to not reasoning at all. We hold it to be true that circular reasoning is the only reasoning that is possible to finite man. The method of implication, as outlined above, is circular reasoning, or we may call it spiral reasoning. We must go round and round a thing to see more of its dimensions and to know more about it in general, unless we are larger than that which we are investigating. Unless we are larger than God, we cannot reason about him any other way than by a transcendental or circular argument. The refusal to admit the necessity of circular reasoning is itself an evident token of opposition to Christianity. Reasoning in a vicious circle is the only alternative to reasoning in a circle as discussed above. It's interesting. I'm not sure how much Van Til uh, could break down what he's getting at here. I, I mean, he landed on the, it's actually a pretty revolutionary way to view unbelief, and which we're going to state. I don't think he had this formally worked out much, but he definitely had it. Okay? He had the picture. So an unbelief, an unbelieving system they have these presuppositions, so the assumptions outside of their argument. And if you ask them to try to prove their position, right, they would try to go to their position from axioms or some premises through the use of logic. But of course, they can't do that. Okay, they can't actually get there. They can't start with true premises and prove their position because their position is false. And, and you see this if you actually watch unbelievers try to give arguments for, for their position. What they're actually doing is they don't start from axioms that we would say, oh, these are, these are true. Their starting point, if you actually dig in deeper, is really just their position. They move through obscurity. They hide it through obscurity, but they move their presupposition into the argument. And many times this is hidden in the definition. The definitions that they're using already presuppose their, their position explicitly. And so their arguments then are always viciously circular. All right, now that's not what we did, though, with our argument. Okay, so Christianity is true, is our universal presupposition, our transcendental, and we were going to prove that. We started with axioms, 
And from there, we showed logically that C follows. And the, the C is nowhere embedded in A, in our axioms, whether it's hidden in the definition somewhere or explicitly in, in the axioms. Bonson writes, because there is more than one kind of circularity, Van Til sometimes repudiated and sometimes tolerated the notion that his apologetic was circular, which has undou undoubtedly been confusing to his readers and students. The circularity of a transcendental argument is not at all the same as the fallacious circularity of an argument in which the conclusion is a restatement in one form or another of one of its premises. Rather, it is the circularity required when one reasons about a precondition for reasoning. He writes, indeed, it is the case, as many will be quick to point out, that this presuppositional method of apologetics assumes the truth of Scripture in order to argue for the truth of Scripture, which we have just shown how, how to do that. Such is unavoidable when ultimate truths are being debated. However, such is not damaging, for it is not a flat circle in which one reasons uh, the Bible is true because the Bible is true, which would just be fallacious circular, re circular reasoning. Okay, so... So I wanted to get through what is a presupposition. I think we have a fairly good uh, description now of that term. How should we be using it? We've got to be very careful then when we use it for an unbeliever's presupposition and a believer's presupposition, and then how that relates to transcendentals and, and assumptions outside of an argument and assumptions outside of any argument. That's it for, the, for this week. Next week, we'll tackle... Probably the most famous recent objection to Van Til's apologetic, the so-called ontology versus epistemology objection from Dr. Richard Howe. For more content like this, you can find us at x at underscore language games. See you next time.